spiritual traveler through the Bible. Please join me for this bird's eye view of the scriptures. Stay as long as you like and let us together discover a bit more about the Bible from the beginning to the end. With the last podcast, we began with the prophetic books of the Bible. These prophetic books contain many of the promises of God. The scriptures contain amazing promises from God that assure us that He wants to share Himself with us. When we know these promises, we get a better sense of who God is and what He's like. Every promise is God's way of saying He'll give us a piece of Himself. Understanding the prophets is important when reading scripture because it is through them that we find out what God has promised to do. Tonight we continue with the last eight prophetic books of the Bible. Each of the prophetic books contains a promise. Often, the introduction of the books in some Bibles will give you a clue of what the promises of that book is. The Old Testament prepares us for the truth that we will finally receive in the New Testament. The Bible's purpose is to make us become what God intended us to be in Jesus Christ. The prophets of the Old Testament are the expounders or explainers of the promises of God. What would we be without the promises of God? According to one person's count, there are 3,573 promises in the Bible which are intended to be fulfilled in this life. So over 3,000 promises are made for us today. How many of those have we claimed? According to Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 2, they are intended to be fulfilled now. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. What do you do with a promise? You either believe it or reject it. There are no alternatives and no middle ground. What if you just ignore it? This is also a rejection, because a promise is a demand for commitment. We will now take a brief look at the final eight prophetic books. These are also known as the minor prophets. However, the term minor here means smaller in size, not less in importance. The first minor prophet is that of Jonah. This is the book that has been the target of more ridicule and skepticism than any other book in the Old Testament because it contains the remarkable story of how Jonah was swallowed by a fish. It sounds far-fetched, but how many times does Jesus mention the story of Jonah in the New Testament? So Jesus obviously must have believed it. The message of Jonah is not about a prophet swallowing fish. It is the promise of a second chance. There is a clue about this promise of a second chance in Jonah 3 verses 1 to 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. This is why the book of Jonah is such an encouragement to faith, because it shows God's patience with man, God's willingness to give us many chances. It is also a book which reveals man's stubbornness. Jonah was called by God to go to the great city Nineveh and to declare its judgment. Jonah refused to go and fled in the opposite direction. 
but God gave him a second chance, and after he was coughed up on the beach by the fish, he decided to obey God and went to Nineveh and declared God's message to the city. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now Nineveh was a large city with over 112,000 inhabitants, according to archaeologists. The circumference of its walls was over 12 kilometers, and it was twice the size of the city Babylon. Nineveh repented, and God gave it a second chance. Nineveh was not destroyed at this time, simply because it repented. This is the great message of the patience of God, the promise of a second chance. The second minor prophet was Micah. He was a contemporary of Isaiah. In other words, he prophesied at the same time as Isaiah. They both ministered to the southern kingdom of Judah. The book of Micah has been called Isaiah in brief because Micah summarizes many of the predictions and prophecies and even uses some of the very wording of the book of Isaiah. These two men obviously work together. So the promise of God in the book of Isaiah is the same as Micah. It is the promise of God's pardon. Here is a single verse in Micah 6 verses 8 that highlights this. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? This is what God does require of man, that he do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with his God. But the obvious message of Micah is that you cannot do this until you have received the pardon of God. The short book of the prophet Nahum is the prediction of the destruction of Nineveh. The books of Jonah and Nahum are linked. Through Jonah's preaching, the entire great city repented and because of that repentance, the city was spared and God turned back the judgment which he had said would fall within 40 days of Jonah's preaching. A hundred years later, Nahum issued his prophecy of the destruction of Nineveh and it was fulfilled to the letter. Nahum predicted the city would be destroyed by the opening of the river gates which would allow an enemy to come in. This is found in Nahum chapter 2 verses 6 to 8. The river gates are opened, the palace melts away, its mistress is stripped, she is carried off, her slave girls lamenting, moaning like doves and beating their breasts. Nineveh is like a pool whose waters run away. This is exactly the way judgment did fall upon Nineveh, some fifty years later, a hundred years after Jonah's prediction, promised judgment came after the exercise of God's patience. This is the promise of Nahum. God does not change. God does exactly what he says he will do. He does not forget, nor does he change his mind. He withholds his judgment whenever there is repentance. But if there is no repentance, or if there is repentance from the repentance, as in the case of Nineveh, God's judgment still falls. This is the unchanging nature of God expressed in Nahum. The most interesting of the minor prophets is Habakkuk. This book answers the eternal question, why does God let injustice prevail? In other words, why does God allow evil to go on? This is the book where the prophet is faced with the silence of God. 
And it looks as though God is doing nothing when the situation cries out for God to do something. In his agony, the prophet calls out, Why? This book contains the promise of ultimate answers. God does answer the prophet, and his response is quite remarkable. His first answer, in Habakkuk 1 verses 5 to 7, makes Habakkuk even more bewildered and more upset. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, whose march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome, their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. But finally, there comes an answer which satisfies his heart in Habakkuk 2 verses 4. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. I'm sure that you will find this passage very familiar. The book of Habakkuk was the basis of the Protestant Reformation. It was this verse that touched the heart of Martin Luther which started the Reformation. This book is the basis of three New Testament books, Romans, Galatians and Hebrews. In each of these books this phrase is quoted, The righteous shall live by faith. In Romans 1 verses 17, the emphasis is on the righteous. This verse says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. In Galatians 3 verses 11, the emphasis is on shall live. That verse says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. In Hebrews 10 verses 38, the emphasis is on by faith. That verse declares, But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So these three books tie together beautifully in this way. One of the shortest prophetic books is that by the prophet Zephaniah. This book is very dark and gloomy. The theme of this book is the day of the Lord. It is a view from the other side of God's love, in other words, God's wrath. It is a book that reveals the burning jealousy of God. Scripture frequently declares that God is a jealous God. Now this doesn't mean jealousy as we humans usually think of it, that is being suspicious all the time and looking for expected abuse of love. It simply means that God loves so thoroughly, so completely, that he cannot allow a rival for his love. God will destroy anything which hurts the object of his love. This is why he is so ruthless with us sometimes, when he sees us loving and clinging to things that are damaging and hurting us. God's jealousy steps in and says, no, you can't have them. Zephaniah shows us that there could be no love on God's part if they were not the ultimate exercise of wrath. What if you say you cannot accept a God of wrath? This is a typical challenge of liberal theologians who cannot reconcile the loving God of the New Testament with the wrathful God of the Old Testament. If you cannot accept the concept of a God of wrath, then you cannot believe in a God of love because a God who can't get angry at what injures the person he loves is not capable of love. 
Zephaniah contains the promise of God's jealousy. The last three prophetic books of the Old Testament are those of the prophets who wrote after the Babylonian captivity. All the other prophets prophesied before Israel and Judah went into captivity. The last three are the prophets after the exile. Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. These three prophets prophesied at the same time as the historical books of Ezra and Nehemiah, so we have the historical section of the Old Testament closing during the same time as the prophetic section. The book of Haggai is the promise of material blessing. It reveals the link between the physical and the spiritual. Haggai 1 verses 13 promises the following. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. Haggai was the prophet to the people who had forgotten God. They had abandoned the building of the temple while they had been busy building their own houses and fixing up everything for themselves. Haggai was sent to remind them that men who do this are like the foolish people who killed the goose that laid the golden egg. Their entire material wealth was tied to willingness to have God at the center of their activities. If they didn't begin to put God first, all their material prosperity would fade. This is the promise then of God's strength. We must have Him in the center of our life because our physical and material well-being can never be fully satisfied apart from God. Zechariah is one of the most interesting books of the Old Testament. This book is sometimes called the Apocalypse of the Old Testament. The Apocalypse is another name for the book of the Revelation. Zechariah is the Old Testament's revelation because it has very much the same features. Both books begin with a vision of horsemen riding throughout the earth, and both books end with a vision of the coming of the glory of God, that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. In Zechariah, we get the literal prediction in this book that the Lord's feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives, and that the mountain shall be split in half and the great valley formed. Zechariah 14 verses 3 to 4 says, Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights on the day of battle. On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mountain shall move northward and the other half southward. This is where the judgment of the nations will take place. So it is a book which is closely related to the book of Revelation. Its message is the promise of encouragement of the comfort of God. If you are depressed and it looks as though God is losing, read the book of Zechariah. There is great reassurance there. The last book of the Old Testament is Malachi. There are only four chapters, but they give the promise of God's responsibility. Like Haggai and Zechariah, this is a book about encouragement because it reveals God's answer to man's failure due to his blindness. The book begins with God asking Israel a number of questions. To each one Israel responds, What? Why? And who? They are utterly blind to what God is saying. For example, in Malachi 3 verses 8 to 10 God says, You have robbed me. And they say, 
How have he robbed you? This is probably one of the most discouraging conditions of mankind. I am sure that many of you listening to this podcast have been in a state when you have felt tremendously depressed and have thought to yourself, well, if it depends on me, I'll never make it up. I am so blind that I don't even know when I am wrong. How can I possibly make it if I don't even see the things in my life which are wrong? Malachi provides the perfect answer for that condition because it shows God's answer to the blindness of the heart. It shows that ultimately it is God's responsibility to break through that blindness and to bring us again into the light. The book of Malachi closes with a magnificent prophecy of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was preceded by John the Baptist, and of what that coming would mean in Malachi 3 verses 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Then Malachi also prophesies about the second coming in Malachi 4 verses 1 to 2. For behold, the day is coming burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Here is an example of the promise of God's responsibility that is repeated in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23-24. to 24. This is the message of Malachi as well. We have now covered the entire Old Testament briefly in less than 10 podcast episodes. Hopefully by now we can see how the Old and the New Testament are intertwined and linked together and how all the books point to Jesus. For the next podcast we will start with the New Testament, but for now I will leave you with the final promise of the book of Malachi the last prophet and the last book of the Old Testament, beautifully summarized in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23-24. to 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. This is David Wiles, your fellow traveler in Christ, and this has been the podcast of the Bible, From the Beginning to the End, Episode 15.